our, my brother today, we just had a great time. Uh, we started talking about the things of God and just really talked about them all day from sermons to revival to church planting and all sorts of great things. Just had a great, great day with him in the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you to open your heart again to the Word of God. Let's give him a nice Rochester welcome, Pastor Tony Chase. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody again tonight. What a gift it is. Thank God our brethren made it home safely and uh, in church on their ministries. And what a gift it is to be in right relationship with Jesus. I hope tonight that God stirs you in a way that that creates something deep inside of your own soul concerning relationships. I am a character preacher, so the majority of the things that I, I, I like to minister have to do with the secret arenas of our life. I wrote a sermon recently called The God of the Secret Place, and we need to have God in those arenas. Come on, can you agree with me? Where we really live. Open your Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter number 25. There's a Bible term. It's called anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism. It's from two Greek words. Anthropos meaning man and morph meaning form. Theological terminology. It's making God in some way have the characteristics of a man. It is the assigning of human traits and actions to God. Traits like talking, holding, reaching, feeling and hearing and the like, all of which are chronicled throughout the entirety of the Bible. Now we know that God is spirit. Can you agree with me? Say amen somebody. Jesus said it, God is spirit. Now we know that God is spirit and does not have a form like us, per se. But the scriptures state that he set his face against evil. The Bible says he scattered his enemies with his outstretched arm. It says Jesus said that with the finger, the finger of God has come upon you. The Bible says the ear of the Lord is not dull that it cannot hear. The Bible also says that his eye is on the the sparrow. Hello, somebody. Now, this speaks many things to us in many different arenas of life, but these are anthropomorphisms. And there is one tonight that I want to speak about. And that is the face of God, Genesis 25 and verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew. And Esau came in from the field and was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, well, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. And he ate and drank and arose 
and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright, the face of God. Father, we thank you tonight, God, for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to gather together underneath the covering of your word. And I pray, God, that you would minister to every man, every woman, boy and girl. Let none escape the questioning of the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God, have liberty. Challenge us, God, and let there be genuine change. I give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, say amen, everybody. Mm -hmm. Let me talk to you first about the violation here. The Bible says Esau was a hunter. Jacob was not. Esau is a picture of many of a man today. It's the scene, the scene, the wheel, the the field and the work that is entailed in the field work, the labor, the difficulty, the failure to catch, the weariness from the struggle to provide. Genesis 25 and verse number 29, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and the Bible says he was weary. King James says he was faint or he was exhausted. Listen to me, please, as I set this up. Exhaustion and weariness can cause you and I to react to need wrong. Emptiness ushers in moments of extreme vulnerability. Emptiness. The created or this created a climate to exploit his need for a trade-off. It is the taking away or the manipulating the birthright. Now at that particular moment, it was a light thing. It meant nothing. Listen, I'm hungry. I'm going to die if I don't get some food. Man, what good is this birthright to me? That's what he said. Verse 32, behold, I am at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright be to me? Jacob, the schemer, the opportunist. Jacob took advantage of his brother. He took advantage of his brother in a moment of vulnerability, in a moment of crisis. Now we know that Esau did what he did. It angered God. Agree with me right there. Mm -hmm. Say amen, somebody. We know that Esau made God upset with what he did. We know that he sold something that was sacred for a temporary fix. Tell me we don't do that. Now I'm not going to preach on that, but just tell me we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Half of y'all. But I don't want to talk about Esau tonight, and I'm not preaching about Esau. I want to examine the, 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 the doings, if you would, the actions of Jacob, because he exploits the situation to get what he wanted. You know, when we are weak, the Bible says God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. When we are weak, the Bible says that is where God strengthens us. It is in our weakness that God comes and he comes upon his child and empowers them. He strengthens them and they catch a revelation of the greatness of God. When our limited resources have been totally drained out. 
that in these days when we are weary, God comes in the form of another. Oftentimes, the Bible says a brother is born for adversity. The day that you're going through something, the day that you're challenged, the day that you're struggling, in these moments, God has birthed someone way back when for this moment in your life. Come on, are y'all hearing me? I can feel y'all already, but we're going to go all the way through this sermon, so just chill out. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. God has birthed someone for that day. This is the, the providence of God. He is a God of providence who's already walked in our tomorrows. And so God has birthed someone for the day of adversity. When is it? He sends his Barnabases into our lives, a son of encouragement to lift us up, to edify, exhort, strengthen us when we are weak. You with me? You know, the devil also sees that same weakness. Same weakness God sees in you, the devil sees. And he sees um, the same frailties, the same emptiness, the same struggles. But he doesn't see them like God. God sees them as opportunity to reveal his strength. The devil sees them as an opportunity to exploit, to tempt you and I into a trap. To catch us in a moment that we have limited resources to fight off the temptation or to resist what is being offered to us. You see, our weak moments exploit or expose the greatness of God, but our weak moments become the devil's strengths as well. He masters in arenas of uncertainty. Genesis 29, 25, 29, excuse me, Jacob cooked a stew. You almost get the picture that this cunning, crafty, younger brother was doing this often. Knowing one day my older brother's going to come in and be unsuccessful. And he's going to pass by my boiling stew and the aroma is going to tantalize his starved person. You know, folks, in light of this, um, Jacob became an accomplice of hell and not of God. You know, the sad truth is that this is from his own brother, flesh and blood. And the most difficult violations to recover from are from our closest allies and friends in life. Julius Caesar, the victim of the most famous assassination in history, the Roman leader was stabbed 23 times by the members of the Roman Senate. And of the two stab wounds to the chest, one was the blow that killed him. And what were his words? Etu brute. And you, Brutus. In other words, everyone else I can handle the stab from, but you? That I can handle the the jilts and, and the stabs from everyone outside. But when this happens from a brother or this happens from a sister, from a family member or a close friend, it is very difficult to just shake it off. You just, it's not easy just to, well, I, oh, oh, well, brother, you just got to free. It's not that easy. Don't look at me strange because I know what I'm talking about. 
Proverbs 18 and verse number 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions or heated disagreements are like bars of a castle. That these are not the faithful wounds of a friend to bring forth um, God's purpose. No, this is a violation. Um, and what this brings forth um, is an emotion on the inside of a man or a woman that they have a difficult time restraining. And it seems that they carry this emotion full term and then they deliver it. And when they deliver it, it's not fun. And I want to talk to you about this. And that's my second point. And that's the anger. <laughs> my family was so messy. I remember I was probably 12 years old or so. And there's my brother had a really good job. <laughs> he had a union job and he was a teenager. In California, so he was making good money, and my dad was swiping his money and taking it and making him pay bills, and he was just a kid. So one day, my brother came home, and it was this massive argument. I didn't know what was going on, and my brother left home and never came back home. My brother was like my hero growing up, but then he was just gone. He never came back. My brother came and visited me while I was in Chandler, Arizona, and he told me the story of that. And we're talking 40 years later, 35 years later. And he said, you know, you remember that day that I left? I said, yeah, I was heartbroken. He said, you know what happened? I said, no. And he said, dad made me go take out a loan and said he wanted the money from the loan. And if he didn't do it, he'd get a beating. So he took out the, he tried to take out a loan. So he, back then you had to make the phone call and ask if you got the loan approved. And so he had to go find out if it was approved. He goes up to the place, makes a phone call, finds out it wasn't approved. And he said, yes, inside, because he didn't want to do it anyway. But he had, he, he said he better have an answer and a reason why. Otherwise he's going to get the beating anyway. So. He asked, uh, well, how come it wasn't approved? And the guy said, well, honestly, Mr. Chase, you have horrible credit. He said, horrible credit? He said, what are you talking about? He says, well, back in 1975, you bought this and never paid for it. Back in 19... And he went through a list. And my brother's sitting there listening to it. And he said, 1975, I was five years old. And it was, he was quiet on the phone. And then all of it came. How did we get that couch and this stuff when we were so impoverished? We had a new couch we could never sit on. We had a new TV, boom boxes we could never play. And he came home and he confronted them and they would not confess to it. And he went off and left and never came back. And to this day, my brother, he's a six-figure income. He makes big money, owns his own business, but he is driven by that same anger to this day. Welcome to the Chase family. Rebecca. She said, Esau comforts himself with the thought of killing you, Jacob. 
Listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) The only antidote to this man and this nagging migraine internally was revenge. So for Esau, living tomorrow is damaged. For later, he was successful in the hunt, wasn't he? Later, he brought back from the field. He cooked his father's favorite game and dish and brought it for his dad. But today's success meant nothing because what Jacob did yesterday. Genesis 27, verse number 30. Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Verse 31, he made savory food, brought it to his father and said to his father, Arise and eat your son's game that your soul may bless me. Verse 35, but he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now look, he's taken away my blessing. Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Now I know that he sold it. I know that he didn't have to. I know that he was judged by God. Genesis 25, 34. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. But I'm not talking about Esau. I want you to feel the anger that is birthing inside of this man right here. Right here. Come on. Right here. Can y'all feel that? Right here. What is brewing inside this man. His only antidote. I'm going to kill my brother. Okay. Now let me preach my sermon. Because those first two points were just so I can get to this last point and really talk about what I want to talk about. And that is the return. Genesis 31 verse 3. The Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family. (laughs) Here's Jacob running away again from someone. And God said, no, return to your family. This means something, folks. I want you to hear me as I begin to to bring this to a place where we can put our hands on this. This means something. This means face what you did. In this journey of running away, Jacob is set to have an encounter with God that's going to forever change him. We know this, the wrestling. He says, God, I will not let you go till you bless me. God said, what's your name? And right here, he's going to have to do this confession. My name is Jacob. He confessing his wrongs, admitting who he is and what he is. And from this time with God, he will be able to face the wrongs that he did to his brother. You with me? Because of this time with God, he's going to be able to face what he did to his brother. This is the miracle for Jacob. And this is the miracle for us. That God at an altar, where we confess our sin, gives us the courage to face the very people we violated. Oh, I know. Nobody's violated nobody in here. I'm feeling you. Wrong answer, folks. God is going to have FaceTime with a man by the name of Moses. In Exodus 3, he says, go rescue my people. Moses was terrified because the people that he violated, when he finally submitted and he was willing to return, God then tells him all the people that you are afraid of, Moses, are dead. That was only after he was willing to respond to God. 
When Moses was willing to do right, when he was willing to face the people he violated, God shared with him his fears were erroneous because the people were gone, but they were very real fears. Someone gave a little cute acronym for fear. F-E-A-R. It's probably a Max Lucado book. False evidence appearing real. It ain't false and it kept him in the wilderness for 40 years. This boy was afraid. God said in chapter 31 to Jacob, go back. And he does. And in chapter 32, he has his wrestling with God and there God changes his name. I just want you to grasp this. If you always run from this type of face time with God, you will never be able to stand before man. Not going to happen. Jacob is going to have to face his brother who he violated horribly. And watch what he does. Genesis 32 and verse number 11. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. He said, God, deliver me. And then he sends presents, and they weren't pennies either. Listen to the what he sends before him as gifts. Genesis 32 verse 14, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. We're talking about a large herd that he sends as gifts before him. Go prepare this. He is making something. He's making a statement. And that statement is restitution is never cheap. It's never going to be easy, but it is necessary. When David sinned and caused the death of so many people, you know the story, they bring him, you know, he comes to this place, the threshing floor of Arona, and he says, hey, hey, I'll give it to you. He said, I will not accept from you something and offer God, you know, something that cost me nothing. No, he understands the fix is going to be costly. That is why it's easier to state, well, you know, just let sleeping dogs lie. You know, people say, that. you know, just let, you don't want to, you know, just, just let them lie. If they're sleeping, leave them alone. But the problem is they're not sleeping. Every time you're in mixed company, there's a barking going on. Even in the silence, there's a barking. It's a bark with eyes. It's a bark with content. It's a bark in, in facial expressions and, and, and attitudes and, and, and body language. The dogs are barking. You, my dad went to the grave and never faced my brother. Come on, are y'all hearing that? He never said, son, I blew it, I'm sorry. No, he went to the grave in his pride. He would never admit what everyone and their mama knew. What would that have done if he would have said, I'm sorry? That's why God hates pride so much. All you would have to do is say, you know, yeah, I was, I, I, 
lost control. I'm sorry. How can I make this right? Uh-uh. And you know, folks, my brother and my dad never spoke again. Picture this. Everything is not all right. He is struggling for every breath, struggling for every word. There is blood, there is pain, there is the emotional pain of rejection, there is the agony, there is the strain for survival of being accused, but he's done nothing. On the cross, in the midst of the pain, Jesus, the Son of God, said those powerful words that shake me to the core. Father, forgive them. It's mind-boggling. When we consider this, it's beyond our imagination. How can he forgive us of our sin in the midst of the pain he was enduring? I want you to listen. I'm trying to communicate here. It, it, it was like he was resurrected and in glory, and now he's thinking about this. Ah, it's okay, guys. It's over. No, no, no. But in the midst of the electric jolts, sending signals to his brain, in the midst of the lacerations and the blood and the beating, in the midst of seeing the word, hearing the words and seeing the faces and the wagging tongues, in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, you know, the pain didn't subside. The bleeding had not stopped. Yet still he forgives. Folks, this is mind-boggling. It's not easy. Somehow Jesus, the man, all man, yet all God, all man, the all man lifts himself, gets the courage to lift himself under the weight of gravity, under the weight of all of his own weight, pulling up on them nails, lifting himself up, grabbing in enough oxygen to gain those words and speak them out in the midst of the pain. Lungs already full of fluid. spoke those words that echo in the times past all the way into this moment all the way into the future father forgive them this is not sensationalism i'm not trying to be dramatic This is God in Christ reconciling the world. That's what that is. For God so loved the world that he gave. Brothers and sisters, this is the portrait of God reconciling. This is the wrath of God being satisfied by three words. Father, forgive them. It's not cheap. Restitution, bringing this, making this possible for this, for you and I to have a relationship with God was not cheap. It was not easy. It was costly. And you know what Jesus said? Such is the master, so shall the servant be. It's not going to be cheap and easy for you and I either. 
lost all the amens with this, but Jacob, 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 he has great fear. He's got great fear. Genesis 32 and verse 6, then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And he has 400 men with him. Then the Bible says, so Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Wouldn't you be? I mean, bad enough, I got to meet Esau. <laughs> but now the boy got 400, 400 men. Folks, we ain't got a, we, we got a hundred in here right here. 400. What in the world is that? See, I got a cartoon mind, folks. I start, <laughs> that's why some of y'all fall asleep when you read your Bible. You got to change the channel. Click, click. <laughs> My brain goes in overdrive. What did that look like? I mean, he, he's, hey man, the, the, the guys came back. Hey, did you see, did you see my brother? Yeah, we saw him, man. I'm telling you, he got 400 men with him. And he's, <laughs> what in the world? I'm going to tell you what this is to me. This is making Jacob feel it even more. It's not a problem if you didn't do wrong, but when you did wrong, this is a problem. It's feeling it even more. It's not a problem if you didn't say what you said, but you said what you said. Now you got to face them. You need to feel it a little bit more. Pastor Campbell said, you have to feel the weight of your sin. If you don't, you'll repeat it and you'll never change. You got to feel it. Now I read this verse already before. But I'm going to read it again. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Listen to the word of God. For the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. No creature hidden from his sight. All things naked open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Can you feel these words? Listen to them again. Pierces, divides, discerns. Your thoughts and motives intense. Nothing hidden. Everything naked. I went to the doctor not too long ago. Stand on the scale, stand on the scale. Get off the scale, come in here. Take your blood pressure. Everything's great. And then the nurse says, okay. Strip down everything. Put this robe on. And the doctor being here in a second. Now, everything was all right till you said that. <laughs> Folks, we don't like to be examined. Talk to me. We don't like it when it's like this. Nothing hidden, naked, open. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I bought some fresh fig leaves. <laughs> we don't like to be open and naked. Talk to me, folks. We don't like it. But too bad when you come to church, this is what happens. The word of God, it beams, it beams past all the facades. And as a man or a woman, if you're going to do right by God, you're going to have to learn to be honest right here and right now. you got to allow the word of God to locate you. Hello, Waldo. We always desire to skirt this. But we all need this when we have sinned 
the weight of our shame in the presence of them we have violated. Genesis 31 and verse 3, return to the land of your fathers and to your family and I will be with you. He said, return to the land of your fathers and your family. And then he said, now I will be with you. It was only in the return that I will be with you. You don't go back. I'm sorry. You're going to be on your own, pal. It's only in the return. You know what this is telling me? This entire thing is orchestrated by God. Because we cannot live successfully for God with known and unaddressed violations. It's not going to work. Jesus said, if your brother, if you're at the altar, and while you're at the altar, you realize you have issue with your brother. He says, leave your gift at the altar and go get right with your brother, right? That's not what it says, though. See, that's how we like it to sound. But that's not what it says. You know what it really says? It says, if you're at the altar. And while you are at the altar presenting your gifts before God, and while you're there, you realize your brother has offense with you. That changes it all right there. Then it says, leave your gift at the altar and go get right with your brother. It's one thing if you have a problem with your brother, you can go up to him and say, I got a problem. I don't like how you said that to me. And he'd be the one to be, oh man, I didn't know. I'm so sorry, you know. Yeah, that's all right, man. It's okay. So you can kind of walk up in the pride. But if you're the idiot and you said something that's not right, guess how you can't, you can't go, well, yeah. No, you, um, Pastor, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. I, you get what I'm saying? Totally changes everything. We like the other way, and that's how we interpret it, but that's not what it says. Go back and read it. You know what that tells me? Because the Bible says, leave your gift at the altar and go get right with your brother. <sighs> I wonder how many gifts are at the altars that we can't even see that God has not even received because people will not go get right. won't do it. Mm -hmm. No, God says, go get right. And if you don't do what God says, even in this going, God will not be with you. That's what it says. Return to the land of your father and your family, and I will be with you. If you don't do right right here, well, God, he's just going to have to stand. No, no. This is the problem. People want a savior, but they don't want a Lord. Save me from all my troubles and issues, but don't be lording over my life. No, friend, he's both or he's nothing to you. Let me creep back to my sermon here. This is needed. I said in the beginning of this revival, if we as the church... Miss this. How in the world are we going to reach Rochester when all sin and manner, all kinds of stuff. If this isn't us in here and they can't. How in the world? Anyways, folks, this is needed. We got to face the wrongs we did. We got to face what we said. We got to face the face of those that we're literally running away. I ain't looking at it. I, I, you got to face this, man. 
You know, folks in the same church won't even talk to each other. What kind of foolishness is that? How are you going to be in heaven with that? No, no, no. I'm not being joking because there's no sin in heaven. So how is that going to, how is that going to work? Jacob, 20 years living with this guilt. 20 years knowing he robbed his brother from what his brother's entire life is affected by. You know, salvation changes us. Meeting with God changes us. More happened than just the limp in that meeting. This man was changed. Salvation changes us. We're able to deal with the very difficult issues that caused us to flee. I was saved maybe six months. I was a weasel growing up. I, my brother was my idol, but I was also highly jealous of him because my brother had everything because he had that job. And I had these bell bottoms. My family bought my shoes at Albertsons. That's a grocery store. <laughs> you know, my brother had it made. He was, he was modeling. He was in magazines. He, and he, you know, because of this job he had, he was all over the map. And, and here I am stuck at home, couldn't go out, playing in, in the room with no toys. Just a, a horrible, I hated my brother, but I loved my brother. It was jealousy. So he had this Volkswagen bug. And it was all fixed up really nice. And he just bought these brand new dual carbs for him. And he was talking about him. And his friends were all talking about blah, blah, blah. And I hear it. And I said, I'm going to get the town thief to steal him. And I sure did. I left the garage cracked and told the guy I used to fight all the time. I used to fight this guy all the time. Actually, he used to beat me up all the time. But nonetheless, uh, <laughs> so I say, hey, come steal these carburetors. They're going to be in my garage. Close your mouth, man. It's all right. I'm different now. He's like, no, you didn't. And my brother... My, this big old dude came, he opened up the garage, he got in there, stole him, and he went his way. My brother, hey, where my car And I hear that, and I, he, he. <laughs> what a weasel, man. <laughs> oh, and I went on like it was nothing. Then I got saved years later. We're talking years later. Because I was probably, I don't know. That was before he left, so 12, 11. About six months saved or so. And I am tormented by what I did. So torment, my brother, I'm telling you, he's, he's like Esau, 400 men inside of that one man. He's little, he lifts weights and stuff too. So, but I'm in Virginia, he's in California, it'd be a long way for him to get me. So I got a little bit more courage, you know. <laughs> and so I, I called him up and said, Stuart, he said, hey, Tony. I said, I got to talk to you about something, man. It's really bothering me. He said, what's that? I said, something I did way back in the day. And he just got quiet. And I said, you remember the carburetors? He said, my Volkswagen? I said, yeah. I said, I was so jealous. And uh, God won't leave me alone. I need to tell you what happened to those. I didn't even finish the story. He said, Tony, I know. I said, what? You stole them. I said, well, I had them stolen. He says, same difference. And he just started laughing. He said, I knew it. 
And that was the end of it. I was like, you ain't mad? He said, why would I be mad about that? I'm like, all right. Salvation changes us, though. Jacob wrestles with God. God changes his name. God speaks that he is an overcomer and destiny is reassured. He meets Esau, who his last known idea of this man and emotional state of this man, he was comforting himself with the thought of killing his brother. That's, that's, I'm going to kill him. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. Genesis 33 verse 1, now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked and there Esau was coming and with him were 400 men. Verse 3, (laughs) then he crossed over before them, bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. No turning back. He's going to face this. He sets the stage to appease. He sent gifts. He's trying to make restitution. He's trying to get this right. He's paying the cost. No matter the outcome, I'm going to deal with my violation. Verse 4, 33, verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Somebody help me. What if you were one of the 400 men? Yeah, we're going to get him, man, man. Esau going to tear him up. Yeah, man. It's going to be something. Man, he's going to rip, rip, rip. He's going to rip him up. It's going to be something bad, man. Yeah, man. Esau. Man, we with you, Esau. We with you. Oh, my brother. These guys will be like, we didn't want to see a love drama. We wanted adventure. Action. So with this. Now, you can read through this real quick and miss the miracle. But, folks, this is miraculous. What in the world, man? Angry Esau runs to him and embraces him and gives him a hug. (laughs) God, somehow, at some point, moved upon this man who had 400 men who were surely coming to tear apart his brother. When did that happen? I don't know. I don't know. When did the fish multiply? In the hand, in the mouth, in the when, when did the when did the jar of oil get filled back up? When did the bin of flour get filled back up? It, it didn't. It was, Somewhere between the steps, God moved upon this man. Let me just share something about what I've learned about God in my own life. We're always always looking for the miracle, but sometimes the miracle happens so fast you miss it. The Bible says blink of an eye. You can't, science can't even determine the speed of a blink. Blink, and it's gone. I can make you blink, but I can't anticipate it. He said, that's how fast the nature of his return is going to be. Boom, and it happened. Boom, everything has changed. God moves at a speed that you and I have no clue of. And this miracle happened just like the fish multiplying. It's faster than our eye and our mind can conceive. It just happened. Whoosh, and it's just done. Somewhere, God moved upon this man. 
And it's powerful to me. Esau never even mentioned that day that changed everything for him. He never even brought a man, you did, man, you said, never even brought it up. Folks, this is miraculous. And from this, we get the anthropomorphism that I'm preaching on tonight. And that is the face of God. Genesis 33, verse 10, Jacob said, Inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I have seen the face of God, and you are pleased with me, please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me. I see God through this. You will see the face of God when you seek forgiveness for the wrongs you have done. Not when you're out looking for them that hurt you and demanding an apology. But when we look to bring restitution for what we have done, the wrong that we have committed against, the hurts that followed after something we have said, I'm telling you, it moves God. Can God show his face through yours? The face of God is the same as the favor of God. If I'm talking to somebody and they're over there, we want God's favor. We want God's face. Make your face to shine upon us. In other words, look upon us, God. Look favorably upon us. Let me close with a quick thought on Esau. Because even though I didn't preach on Esau, I have to close the sermon with a thought on him. The weight that he carried in life, the hurt, the anger, the constant nagging irritation. The text stated that he himself, he said to himself, the day that we stop crying for dad, I am going to kill my brother. Come on, listen to me tonight. God said to Esau in Genesis 27, verse number 40, you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. That there is a yoke here. And he is tied to that incident tied to it everything in his life working laboring everything everything goes all the way back to that everything he's it's driving this boy mad he cannot move forward cannot get past the day he stole every conversation bleeds into this he's been violated he ruined my life my destiny he took advantage while i was weak i was weary i was vulnerable and my brother and every conversation goes all the way back to that day God said, one day, one day, you're going to become restless with this life. You're going to become restless with this burden that you're carrying, this yoke. That You cannot live like this anymore. Somewhere between the steps, that is what I believe happened. I can't do this anymore. And he says, you're going to refuse to stay yoked to the incident. 
You're going to refuse. I want you to listen to me as I'm finished right here. It says that day, and God says that day, Genesis 27, 40, that day, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Not God. Father, I pray, come the robo Uh-uh. Not God. You. You're going to say to yourself, I live with this anymore. And right there, you're going to get delivered. That's for the Esau. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I refuse. It has nothing to do with God breaking the yoke because of his anointing. It, it's because we get frustrated enough with living like this. We say, I am not going to live like this anymore. I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. If I could just tonight have the keyboard. Just for ambience. Just the keyboard, please. Won't need singing, won't need anyone, everyone to be able to have the opportunity at the altar. Just the keyboard, please. The face of God. The face of God. The favor of God in our life. If you're here tonight and you're not right with God. You've done wrong. You're not living right. And this is not the time. To toy with sin. This is not the time to live Playing with the devil and tantalizing with all, or, 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 toying with his his toys, and this is not the time to be drifting toward. This is I'm telling you, there's nothing that needs to happen before Jesus comes. Nothing. He can come tomorrow. I'm not right. I've sinned and I'm embarrassed of who I am and where I'm at. You've got to ask God to for you have to repent. You have to repent. If you're backslidden, you have to repent. I have great heart for the backslider. I have great heart. The incredible wrestlings. Jesus said to the church in Revelation chapter 2, return to their first works. I'm telling you, it's not easy to do that. Have great heart for the backslider. If you're not right with God, would you make a decision? Father, I... I don't want to live like this. I ask you to forgive me. And I'm telling you the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. Father, forgive them. You're already forgiven if you would accept it. 
God, please forgive me. that's you, can I pray for you, please? Just raise your hand. Slip it in the air right now. Come on. Be honest with God all over this place. Don't be full of pride. Be honest with God. Backslider, unsaved. Raise your hand. Slip it up before God, before God. God bless you, dear. Thank God for you. Who else? Come on. Be honest with God. Who else? Who else? Who else? Okay, very well. Would you look at me? Would you give me eye contact? You sincere with God? I believe you are. Would you come? Come on. Don't worry about anyone else. I need one sister. Meet her up here at the altar, please. God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and forgive me of my sins. Thank God for you. Thank you, sis. God bless you. What are we going to do right here? God, what are we going to do? Father, help us. I believe I was told 220,000 or so people in the city of Rochester can't speak for other churches I'm sure there's other churches that love God and are doing right and I can't speak for that but if they were to come into this church God may they find that we love you and love each other as we're supposed to that's impossible if you're unwilling to do what scripture says. It's impossible. Jacob, go back to your family. Face what you have done. And only in that, he says, I will be with you. God's into this. He's into restitution. Just read the gospel. Started started with Adam sinning and all of a sudden God An animal pays the price and covers him. God does it. Blood is shed. There's covering by God. I'm telling you folks, God's into this, but it's always costly. It's not cheap. It's not going to be cheap for us. I ask you to stand all over this place. Come on, stand with me all over this assembly. I want you to find a place at the altar and bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it down to the altar with you. Come on. Come down. God, help me. Can God show his face through you? Can God show his face through yours? Can God bestow favor in arenas because of your face? Can there be a moment where someone says, Inasmuch as I have found favor and grace in God's sight, I have seen his face through yours. God, please. God, the heartaches. I'm not dismissing the violation. The violation is real. The agony is real. There's Esau's in here. You got to come to a place where you say, God, I am not going to live with this. I'm not going to live with this shackle, this burden. I'm not going to live with this yoke. I am not. And in that comes sweet deliverance. We're ripping it off. Saying, I refuse to be tied to yesterday's heartaches and pains and statements. I refuse. And then when you see your brother, somehow the anger, the migraine, the irritation that literally was stroked with the thought of revenge and murder. The Bible said, hey, he loved his brother. He embraced. There's an embrace that is genuine. 
Hallelujah, God. This is the healing for marriages. This is the healing for brethren, brothers, and sisters. This is the healing in the teens, teens that can be so cruel. This is the healing between ministries. Oh, God, Oh, that your face can be seen, God. The favor of God. God seen through us. Oh, that God, I pray, there would be the blessing of God. Rain down grace upon us, God. Rain down mercy upon us. God. Oh, Lamb of God. God, we so desperately need you. God, we so desperately need you. God, breathe upon us. Help us, God. God, we believe you, Father, right now. God, we believe you, Father, right now. God, we believe you. Oh, God, help us, Father, please, to be sensitive here. God, to be those filled with courage. God, to face what we have done. And God, not just the God that, help us to be those who are willing to allow others to come. Confess their wrongs. That God, we can move forward, God, and have the favor of God, blessing of God. God, I pray, God, 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 help us here, Father, please. God, break every curse that is ensued because our own foolishness, God, break the curse, God, that strangles, God, that revival. God, that mars the body, God, I pray. God, we need you, Father, here, God, we need you here, God. You work in us, God, please. That we might represent you, God, in a world so full of ungodliness, division, and brokenness. Let it not be in here, oh God. I bind dissension. I bind division. I bind the sower of discord, God. God, make us to be those that are peacemakers, God. Hallelujah. God, I thank you, God, I thank you.